Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Uh, well, you can have a seat. Uh, and good morning again. We are so glad that you guys are here. We, we know that on, on family weekend that a lot of times uh, there's a lot of confusion, right? You, you're going to go into dinners and banquets and uh, events and baseball games and football games. And, and there's a lot of stuff that you see that you don't quite fully understand, right? Especially if you weren't an Aggie yourself. Uh, if you're coming in as a, as a parent or maybe for a lot of us when we were first coming in as freshmen, we would see things happen and we didn't really understand what exactly was going on or why it was going on. We go to the baseball games and every Everyone's just like angry the whole time. And even when we're winning, we're angry at just the world, I guess. I don't know. But we see things where people will just lay down their lives to get that ring and that beautiful, beautiful ring that sometimes is antiqued and sometimes it's not. That's fine. Uh, And you will see these people go to such great lengths and pour their life and spill their blood for that ring. And you're like, man, I, I see it happening. I don't quite get it, right? I do, of course. All of those of us that have passed through the flames, we know, right? But for others, it's confusing. And the reality is that this isn't just something isolated to Aggie land. The reality is that really just in all aspects of life, we will see things and not fully understand what they are, Uh, especially this is. I mean, she also loves manhole covers. So, you know, they're just, <laughs> just pretty loose on the love. But uh, this is something, man, we, we see hot water heaters and we think they're robots. Like we see things in our life that we don't fully understand. And the reality is that today is Palm Sunday, right? In the church, we celebrate today as Christ's triumphal entry. We, we are looking ahead one week towards Easter. And as we are looking towards that day and we're looking at that holiday and as your students are maybe anticipating their reading day on Friday, right? We are all excited and we're looking at this event where Jesus of Nazareth was crucified was murdered. And it's something that we talk about and think about and maybe we look at, and yet the reality is that many times we lose sight of what it really is, of why he died. Not just how, but why he died and what his death accomplished. You see, when the world looks across time and history and they look at Jesus of Nazareth, they'll say, man, he was a, he was a good man, or maybe he was, a, he was a faithful teacher. And yet when we look in the Word of God, as we've been looking at the Word of God over the last few weeks, we see repeatedly that the Word of God calls Jesus of Nazareth the Christ, literally the Christos, meaning the chosen one, meaning he's the Messiah who stepped out of heaven and onto earth to bring life to the dead. Meaning when we look in scripture, when we look in the gospels, we find a God who's not some distant divinity or unknowable entity, but he in fact took on flesh to walk among us so that he can know us intimately. When we look at the life of Jesus of Nazareth, when we look at the life of Jesus the Christ, we see the chosen one graciously choose us to join him in life beyond the grave. And that's why when we see Mark chapter 15, as we approach the scriptures, we approach this incredibly crucial passage, 
What we find is is not just an account of of how Jesus died. Mark 15 wants us to look beyond just the events that transpired. He wants us to see why Jesus died. He wants us to more fully understand that Jesus of Nazareth dying on a cross, it, it did more than just snuff out a person. It was a God it was the God, the living God, who became a sacrifice for us. He, when we see Jesus of Nazareth die on the cross, we see him receiving God's wrath. We see him removing sin's barrier. And we see him revealing God's power over anything this world can throw at us. As we begin to approach Mark chapter 15, verse 33, essentially the, the whole chapter has been, that's been leading up is we're seeing that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, he has been rejected by the Jewish nation as the Messiah. And because of that, they are killing him. They're murdering him because he has been claiming to be God, right? So he's committed this ultimate offense, this ultimate heretical statement. He's calling himself God. And so the leaders and the elders, the officials, they say, hey, we're going to kill this guy because you're not allowed to do that. And so we see in Mark chapter 15, verse 33, Jesus is being murdered. And when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And around three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. This is Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we see Jesus Christ's death on the cross, it's a horrific, tragic event. And he's crying out, not, not simply because he's in pain, but, but because he's been separated from God in, in punishment. He's receiving the wrath of God in this moment. That's why all the gospels will point to this darkness. He hung on the cross for six hours. The last three hours of the last half of it, there was darkness over the land. Because it was this illustration, it was this picture of God the Father turning his back, of of, of God the Father essentially pouring out punishment and wrath upon Jesus. Jesus, who was perfect, who did absolutely nothing to earn the wrath of God. In fact, did everything to earn the favor of God secured for himself the, the righteousness of God, I mean, the perfect right standing. And yet, when we see Scripture talking about the life of Jesus Christ, there's this incredible event where he who knew no sin suddenly takes on all of the sin that all of us have committed, all the faults and mistakes, the failures and the brokenness that we're responsible for was given to Christ. And so in that moment, as he's crying out, the Lord is pouring out his wrath, his his, his righteous wrath, his just wrath. And in doing so, Jesus became our sacrifice, our substitute. That's why John speaks about in 1 John 4, he says, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, that he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He says, you did nothing to pursue the Lord. Jesus Christ himself says, no one's gonna chase after the father on their own. We were children of wrath, as Paul would say. We were people who were in open rebellion against the God who made us. And yet in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our transgression, God said, 
sent his son to die for us. He sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. In other words, to be the, pay the full penalty that we earned because of our sin. Romans is clear that we have all sinned, right? That we've all disobeyed God. That's what sin is. It's just living apart from God's will. It's disobeying him. And because of that, we deserve death. That is the ultimate penalty for sin. Eternal death, meaning separation from the God of the universe who's holy, who's set apart, who's perfect and righteous. We don't deserve to be with him because of our sin. And yet, Jesus Christ, who stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again for our sake, and he took that sin upon himself. And so when he died, he paid the penalty that we deserved. We see in this moment of his crucifixion, a God who is so perfectly just that he has to punish sin and yet is so perfectly loving that he wanted and chose to send his own son to absorb his wrath, to pay the penalty that that, that we deserved in place as, as our substitute. This is a tragically beautiful event. Because there is something terrible about seeing a father have to pour his wrath out on his own son. I mean, there, there, there's something horrendous in that moment. All right, that's good. That's good. That's good. Daddy, that is really good. I Tragically beautiful, right? Man, we see there's something wrong with this, right? There's some of us, some of your dads are even here right now. And they're like, I would, ne- I would never hit you with a snowball. Well, maybe sometimes, but not today, right? Because it's too hot. Uh, but we, we see this and we're like, oh man, our hearts go out. Like there's something dark in, in that. There's something that, that kind of tugs at our souls because like, gosh, that is not how things are meant to be. And yet when we look at Jesus dying on the cross, we recognize that God the Father had to pour his wrath out upon his son. At the cross, what we see is God the Father punish his perfect son instead of his actual enemies. We see the perfect lamb slaughtered for the sake of rebels and enemies of God. And when that occurs, man, what we see as believers, we see a sacrifice. And we accept an incredible gift of life through that sacrifice, made available through that sacrifice. And yet others, they look at that event and they don't see it. Even as Jesus was dying, some of the bystanders, some of the crowd, they heard it and they said, oh, listen, he's calling for Elijah. They may be either accidentally or intentionally warping his words where they heard Eloi. It sounds similar to the, to the Aramaic term for Elijah. And so they, they were like, oh, he's calling for Elijah. So someone ran and they filled a sponge with uh, basically cheap wine and, and they put it on a stick and they gave it to him and said, hey, leave him alone. Let's, let's see if Elijah is gonna come and take him down. They're mocking him. They're mocking him. They're seeing the event. They're watching Jesus of Nazareth die. They're watching this man who claims to be God murdered, but they don't see why, and they don't accept who he claimed to be or why he had to die. 
That's why when we read this passage, the first question we have to ask ourselves is what do we see? What do we accept? Have you personally chosen to accept that Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God, that Jesus of Nazareth was Jesus the Christ, that Jesus Christ died so that you might live? Do you trust in that? Do you believe in that? Is that a faith that you've just sort of been told and you kind of go along with? Or is that a faith that you hold to, that you affirm, regardless of whether or not your parents are in town? Because there will always be some who miss it. That breaks God's heart. That breaks my heart. It should break all of our hearts. Because they're missing it. When Jesus died, man, he, he received the wrath of God. He took our place. And in doing so, he removed a barrier that had been built up by sin. That's why when we look in verse 37, that when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, when he breathed his last, in other words, when he succumbed to death, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, up until this moment, uh, there were incredibly complicated steps that God had established for his people to become ritually clean. There were restrictions that he had placed on, on who was allowed to approach his throne room in the temple. He didn't actually physically reside there on his throne, but it was this symbolic place. And so you had to be a, a certain person. There was one guy who would go in once a year, and everyone else was kept out by this curtain. God had established all these rules and restrictions and rituals to show to his people, right? His chosen people. He said, hey, even you are not enough. Even you are unfit to be in my presence. He says, I'm establishing these rules and restrictions to demonstrate the gravity of humanity's sin, to show you the gravity of what you've done to where even the nation of Israel, again, his chosen people, who he says, man, you're my beloved and I, I want you and I, and I love you. And yet, you know what? I can't be around you. Not intimately. Because there's sin in your life that separates us. There's a barrier that's been constructed. You are unfit to be in my presence. And that's a hard truth to accept. You can't drive the car. Mommy has to drive the car. So that's my daughter. Uh, she's lovely. Uh, and she's just over two. And she has gotten to this point in her life uh, where she really loves playing in cars, right? Who doesn't? It's fun. There's bits and bobs and knobs and buttons and the potential for destruction. It's a, it's a wonderful place to play. Uh, and yet she has decided at her, you know, old age of two and a quarter uh, that she is ready to drive. Like she's ready to take the next step to sit in that captain's chair, commandeer the vehicle and go to Blue Baker on her own, by golly. Uh, and she will, she will cry. Like this brings her to, to tears when we have to tell her the truth. We say, Charlotte, I'm sorry, you, you are unfit for this. Like you are not ready. You are not equipped. Like you are not ready to step into that role. Like you're not fit to take that responsibility. You don't belong in that chair. It's way too big. Your feet don't even reach. Like, are you thinking logic? Like it's just, someday, 
someday. But it's hard for her to accept. And God turned to the nation of Israel and he said, look, here's the thing. I love you. And I want what's best for you. And the reality is that you can't be close to me. It says, because you have sinned, because you've wronged me, you've disobeyed me, and you have to stay away from me. Which is why it's so incredible in Mark 15, when we see those rules, those, those rituals, right? Those things that, bear, that, that God had established Right, those restrictions that he had set up, he, he takes them and he abolishes them. It, with the death of Christ, he abolishes those same restrictions and those same rituals that he had established, that he'd originally established to show us the gravity of our sin. Suddenly he does away with them to demonstrate the, the grace of Christ's sacrifice. He's showing us, man, this is something that's incredible. You're not only forgiven, but you are reconciled. Meaning it's not just that I wipe your slate clean. I say, great, you can just stay over there. We're good. He says, I- I'm gonna forgive your sin. I'm gonna forgive your debt. And then I'm gonna pull you close. And our relationship will be reestablished as it was meant to be. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 5. He says, if we were sinners, or sorry, well, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, he says, how much more since we have been reconciled will we be saved by his life? He's saying, look, the death of Christ paid the penalty that we owed, right? He, he paid the debt that we had incurred. He, he took that death that we deserved. But that's not the end of our gospel. Thankfully, we don't just celebrate Good Friday. We celebrate Easter Sunday. We don't look at a grave that was filled and remained full. We look at a grave that's empty. We have a God who died and then rose from the dead. We see a God who is living and active. We have a Savior who didn't stay in the ground, unlike any other religion, any other faith, any other path through life. We have the God who is alive. And Paul is saying, if we are saved by his death, now just imagine what we can do because he's living, because he proved his power over death. Suddenly in his life, we can have new life. We can be reconciled to God. We can walk lives that that are integrated with the God of the universe. He sent his spirit to indwell his people, to act as their helper and their tutor and their guide, their counselor. What an incredible gift. What an incredible thing this is that Jesus secured. He didn't just receive God's wrath. He removed the barrier that sin was forcing God to to, to hold us at a distance, right? It removed that barrier and those restrictions. And yet some of us still walk as if that curtain is untorn. Some of us live as if that barrier still exists. Some of us say, yeah, I'm saved by grace, praise the Lord. And and yet there's still something inside of me that feels like I have to earn God's favor. Or there's something inside of me that says I'm unfit to be in his presence. And those are lies. Those are lies, when we look at the death of Christ, we see something that is complete, that is finished, that is sufficient. Suddenly we recognize that through the death of Christ, through his then resurrection and life, we can have new life. 
We have a God who loves us, who, who cannot love us more than he does and will not love us less than he does. That's the God that we have. That's the Father we have in heaven. Jesus received his wrath. He removed that barrier. And in doing so, he reveals something incredible. When the centurion who stood in front of him saw how he died, the centurion says, oh, truly, this man was God's son. In that moment where Jesus is suffering and dying, in that moment where he breathes his last and dies on that cross, this low-level officer in the midst of this crowd of people that are mocking and throwing stuff and saying stuff, this low-level officer And the Roman army looks up, and because of how he died, he says, this was it. He saw it, and he accepted it. He understood what was happening. He looked past just how Jesus died, and he saw why he died. He saw who this was that was dying in front of him. He saw what was being accomplished because of that death. Right? One of the most amazing things about this crucifixion, about the death of Christ, is that we see God taking an incredibly evil and horrible situation and then turn it into an act of love and redemption. This is amazing. Right? It is incredible that we wear crosses, right? And put crosses all over the place. If you look in Christian culture, man, we got crosses on our necklaces and hanging from our rearview mirrors. We got them up on our wall in our kitchen. It's like eat, pray, love and a cross. We're like, yeah. And we've got these things all over the place. We put them on our bodies. Sometimes we get it simple. It's just kind of on our wrist. It's like, oh, cool. We get it with our, you know, I don't know, significant other or parent, right? There's still time uh, this weekend uh, if you want to. If you were looking for something to do this afternoon, uh, it's always available. Or maybe we take it a step further. We say, you know what? I don't even just want this little uh, geometric shape thing. I'm going all out. I'm get- I know. <laughs> Fun fact, this is one person here today. Not really. No, that's right. Or is it? No, it's not. But uh, this would be amazing, right? This is a dedication. There's a lot of hours in a chair Getting, letting somebody draw on your back to, to have a cross. And, and this is really incredible when you stop and think about it because we are honoring and, and glorifying an ancient torture murder device. Like that's what we're doing. We have these ancient murder devices on our necklaces and on our wall next to Eat, Pray, Love, murder device. Like that's what we're celebrating. <laughs> Early second century invented murder device. Like that's what it'd be like if you had a tattoo of a guillotine just like on your back, which I thought was a ridiculous hypothetical situation. And it's real. It's real. Oh, I know. Goodness. But uh, we see the reality of, I mean, when we celebrate this cross, why are we able to do that? It's because we believe and affirm that God took something that was horrific and yet turned it for good. We believe and affirm what Paul says in Romans 8, that we can know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That's what we see in the cross. We see evidence. We see a revelation of that power. God's saying, I'm going to prove to you that I have power over sin and death. I'm going to prove to you that I have a plan in place. I'm going to take something that you meant for you. I'm going to take something that looks so horrific, and yet I'm going to use it to be the most spectacular act of love imaginable. 
And Paul's affirming, man, that's a power that, that God promises to use beyond the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's a power that we can still rest in. That's a promise that we can still trust in. That's a truth that we can still rally behind and cling to. That's a truth that people like Allison in the, in the story that you saw at the very beginning of the service, a truth that she can hold to where she looks at this horrific, tragic event in her life. This horrendous event to her in her family with her loved ones. And, and she can look at it and she can see the hand of God even in the midst of it. She, she sees how God can use it to, to, to increase her empathy and sympathy for the people around her. She can see how God can use that event to, to, to shape her perspective on life in this world, to shape her perspective on the hope she has in the future, to really ground for her that she's not just looking uh, to, to this reunion and, re, and reconciliation with her Savior, but she's looking forward to a reunion with her mother. Man, that is a beautiful hope. That's an incredible gift from the Lord. And it's hard to see in the moment, right? I'm not saying this is something that's, that's easy. This isn't a verse to grab and then roll up on somebody who's in the midst of mourning or in the midst of tragedy and start quoting it to them. Where you should mourn with those who mourn and we should weep with those who weep, but we don't have to mourn and weep as people who have no hope. Because we've seen the cross. We've accepted what it means. And it proves that God has this power to end this plan where he can use the most horrific tragedies of this world and turn them for his own glory and our good. And it's hard to see sometimes. I, I'm with you. But it's a truth that we can rest in. It's a promise that we can trust in. It's a power that's been proven by the cross. And yet it's something that many of us still struggle to accept. Right? It's, 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 it's truth. It's a power that we still struggle to rest upon. Some of us still worry and doubt if God's really going to work through our lives or going to work in this circumstance. It's hard. But when those times come, it's, we don't just sit and, and, and in anguish and, and, and just doubt and worry. What we're called to do is to cry out to the Lord, to, to, to draw closer to him in those moments, to, to seek out community and, and surround ourselves with other people who can encourage us and support us and, and share the burden that we're facing. And ultimately, it's a chance for us to give glory and praise to the God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die. So let's go before him. Let's thank him for what he's accomplished. God, we thank you that you have given us this hope, Lord, secured through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you have given us a hope that extends beyond this broken world. That God, that we don't just end in the grave. That that's not, death is not the end for us. But that, Lord, there's a, there's a life that's eternal. There's a destination that's perfect. Lord, there's a rest that is beyond our imagination that you've promised. But God, we, we struggle. 
Lord, I struggle. We, 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 we all struggle to, to really see and accept what you've done for us. Maybe it's, maybe it's that first step of, of really acknowledging, of seeing and accepting that it was Jesus, the Son of God, who died on that cross. It was Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Some of us still struggle to, to, to accept that, that gift of, of faith, to accept the fact that it's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we might have life. Lord, it's, it's a struggle for some of us still. For others of us, maybe it's, we struggle to, to see the barrier of sin removed. We, we struggle to see ourselves as forgiven. We struggle to see you as loving. Lord, we still pull back thinking that we're not worthy of being called your children. And God, you've said over and over that we are. And Lord, for some of us, we just struggle to see that you're still working, that you're still moving. But we think that maybe, maybe your, your hand stopped at some point in our past or at some point in history. And, and yet, God, you've told us that you are continuing to move. You're continuing to influence this world and guide our steps and lay out a path before us. So Lord, we just pray that wherever we fall in, in that spectrum, that God, that we would call out to you in this moment, that we wouldn't just sit in, in, in doubt and anxiety, but that Lord, we would call out to you. We would seek your help and your strength because that God, you would send your spirit to guide us, to instruct us. If you would take a moment and, and just do just that, Confess to the Lord, God, this is where I'm struggling. Lord, strengthen me in this area. Lord, Lord, guide my steps in, in this path. Lord, help me trust in this truth. Lord, show me where is it that I'm faltering. And then, Lord, be strong where I'm weak. Pray those things right now. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith, and we are just glad that you've joined us as we basically look a little bit deeper into our talks and, and look down the road at what's coming up in our ministry. That's right, and we are fast approaching the end of the semester oh, as well as the end of our sermon series. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. On the life of Christ. Yeah, which was really fun. So the the end of the semester is always signaled by family weekend. That's kind of, <laughs> it's sort of the 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 final bell, uh, uh -huh. kind of the last road marker as we begin to approach finals. It's that last opportunity for parents to intervene in their students' lives <laughs> yes, the before last, finals last hits chance. and go, how to, have you been living uh -huh. over it's, the past It's your year. final like big grocery trip and yeah. Target experience. Like It's the last time you really get to stock up on soup uh, mm -hmm. and canned meat. Uh, but we uh, had a lot of parents yesterday, which was super fun so yesterday fun. morning. Um, we had a breakfast at Anderson. You guys had lunch at Southwood. We did. Because, um, you know, parents need to eat. It's just part of That's why they're here. part of life. Families need food. So we had just a blast. Like it was, it's always just a, a different kind of flavor to look at, especially the crucifixion of Christ, where mm. essentially the culmination of the story is God the Father turning his back on mm -hmm. his son in this mysterious, miraculous moment yeah. where the wrath of God is poured out upon Jesus Christ and having dads there, like as dads, we right. feel it, right? But even like having a bunch of dads there. You mean the joy of 
in the <laughs> audience. Uh, pouring your wrath out on your children. <laughs> right, yeah. Everyone's like, whoop it. Everyone's like, yeah, that's right. Sometimes you got to. No. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just a different sort of feel. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's one of those stories that, I mean, obviously there's a lot to it, the crucifixion of Christ, but that's one of those angles that just parent weekend, family weekend really... I don't know, it really just sort of hit home for us, or for yeah. me especially. Yeah, well, it, it was fun about uh, talking about Mark chapter 15 and uh, the the crucifixion of Christ. If there is something fun about it, <laughs> the the good part about it is to, but it, because it landed on Parents Weekend, obviously Jesus' mother is at the crucifixion. Yeah. Um, the father, is, as you said, Jacob, is is, is obviously watching this, this play out with his yeah. son giving his life. And uh, actually, you know, is it was great to be able to talk to that at Southwood, and and kind of direct some of the message at parents and know how challenging it is to watch your kids struggle both in school, and and in the world, and just to mm-hmm. know that there actually is hope um, in the struggle because we have the Savior Jesus Christ who suffered in our place for our sins for us, and and so I, I tried to give some give some hope really on this message, but, mm. uh, no hope, no, no hope on Anderson. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, that's true. We only don't hope to, but, yeah. uh, it's still, yeah, it's just a different, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a different viewpoint to, right. to have families there. And yeah, but it was super fun. I, I love getting to meet all these families that are, you know, the reason that most of the kids are there is because they had these families that in some way set them on a path or, or helped them out or, or showed them kind of the, the way to walk with the Lord and, it's just, it's an honor to have them come and yeah. see what their kids are a part of, to see their kids really owning the faith that yeah. maybe they would just been sort of taught. I know that, you know, 16 years, I hope and pray that my daughter is at a church and I just know that I would love the opportunity to get to go and see what she's a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, we're, we're always, it's always fun to do it. And they just hear and also see everyone get super embarrassed when their parents start talking <laughs> about <laughs> different aspects of childhood. I definitely uh, heard some very embarrassing stories about some of our freshmen in particular, for whatever reason. Love <laughs> it was good. that. It was great. Lots of ammo. Arrows for my quiver. <laughs> but it was good. But yeah, so, so coming up, we are, uh, like you said, we're hitting the home stretch. And part of that means that next week, even uh, Easter Sunday, we won't have college services. We are um, off. We're off at Anderson and Southwood. We'll have, uh, we'll be combining with our family services. So we'll still be at church in the morning, but um, we'll be combined with sort of the, the church as a whole. It's just, it's a perfect Sunday to really just join together as yeah. one big united body to to look at Easter Sunday and say he is risen indeed all together and wear sundresses and hats. Yeah, I, I think uh, we, I we all plan on our Easter outfits. I, I guarantee you that my wife has a dress picked for my daughter as we speak. <laughs> I know it's there. And right, it's probably so very, very pastel. So fun. Yeah. And uh, the last thing we got, last announcement we got is that we are doing baptisms um, at Southwood. It's going to be April 23rd. And so if you... Uh, are listening to this and would like to participate in baptism, we would love to do that. There's an application process, but if you contact us, um, we will get that information to you and, and do that. Anderson's going to be doing them on May 7th, yeah. and uh, so you got a little bit more time uh, uh-huh. on Anderson to, to do that. But gosh, it's been a phenomenal semester at, kind of a, at both of our campuses, and we are so thankful to uh to have you on this part of the podcast. Yep. Thank you so much. Have a great Easter. Mm-hmm. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Have a great week.